0: Welcome to another episode of Ryan's Method Passive Income Podcast. Here's your host, Ryan Hogue. What's up, guys? Ryan here. Welcome to my Amazon FBA mini series for 2020 and beyond. Now, if you missed part one, go back and watch that really quickly where we talked about what Amazon FBA is and how much it costs to start. Today in part two, we're gonna cover important FBA concepts where we start to shift our perspective from that of a buyer to that of a seller on Amazon. And we're gonna go over our definition of what makes an ideal product. Before we jump into things real quick, let me recap this one more time. My name's Ryan Hoag. I've sold over $1.4 million on Amazon and I've been teaching at the college level uh, for over five years going into my sixth year now. I wrote an Amazon FBA mini course that you can check out for free. Everything that I have a link to on these slides, you'll be able to find in the description. You can also check out my transparent monthly passive income reports on my blog since day one, since my first profits. I also spent over a year writing what I believe to be is the most in-depth Amazon FBA course. It goes into much greater detail than I can go on or go into on YouTube. So if you want to check that out, there's a link as well. And the price is going to go up when I finish this mini course. So you'll be capturing a discount if you choose to enroll anytime before the last video. And I'll let you guys know ahead of time. Also find your why Warren Buffett, the Oracle of Omaha, a legendary investor once said, if you don't find a way to make money while you sleep, you'll work until you die. That honestly, (laughs) whenever I first heard that quote, it has stuck with me ever since. And that really fuels the flame inside of me to pursue uh, not just one passive income stream in the form of Amazon FBA, but multiple. All right, let's dive into it. First, we're going to cover some important Amazon FBA concepts. We're going to look specifically at what BSR is, what the buy box is, and we're going to make sure that we're all on the same page and understand the distinction between revenue and profit. All right, so you might want to pause the video for a second and go download these two free chrome extensions now i did say free helium 10 has paid uh, upgrades but you don't need them for what we're going to be using helium 10 for there's always a link in the description but if you need to pause the video and go grab them go do that so ds amazon quick view is going to help us see the bsr of products in search results now first we need to understand what bsr is bsr stands for best seller rank It is literally a rank that Amazon assigns to each product in its catalog that has made at least one sale. So there are products in the catalog that do not have a BSR. That is an indicator that they have not sold before. But for the most part, when you search for like standard products on Amazon, the ones at the top are gonna have the lowest BSR indicating that relative to their competition in their Amazon category, they are selling amongst the best. So that might be kind of counterintuitive, but think about it. Like if you're in first place, you're getting the most sales. And first would be the number one, which would be the lowest BSR possible. So in this case, low BSR is better. All right. And remember that it's unique to each category and subcategory. So I went ahead and uh, clicked one of these garlic presses and scrolled down in the listing and you see it's number 408 in kitchen and dining. So BSR 408 in kitchen and dining, and number two in garlic presses. So they just know that like they have relative BSRs to their subcategory as well, or at least relative ranks. Uh, and then this data point, extremely valuable data point, it updates multiple times throughout the day at unknown intervals, or at least unknown to me. And Helium 10 is going to help us see BSR history because if we go back one slide, DS Amazon Quick View shows us the BSRs of each product at that moment in time that we're searching. But with DS Amazon Quick View, when we click a product listing, so now we're leaving the search results. What The thing I love most about the DS Amazon Quick View is that you can literally just perform a keyword search and it's right there in front of your eyes. You don't have to go clicking each listing. With helium 10, you do need to click into each listing, and then it will inject the BSR and price history for you. And this is the free version of Helium 10. So what you see in this picture right here, the purple line is the BSR. So when you see it climb like that, it most likely went out of stock a couple times for this product. And the uh the blue Uh, line is the price history. So you can kind of see how they've changed the price over time and then look at the BSR to see if that had any effect on it. Um, One thing that you commonly see is when you see the BSR spike indicating that maybe they went out of stock, third-party sellers might jump onto the listing and charge like three times as much. So you'll see like a climb in BSR as well as a climb in price. Um, I actually talked about that in my uh, video from a couple days ago. And real quick, while we're looking at BSRs in terms of BSR history using Helium 10, and I'll probably go over this in the next uh, lecture as well, but real quick, I just wanted to show you an example of like a good one, a, a medium one, and a bad one. So this is what I would call a good BSR. It's consistently low. And those massive spikes, again, are probably just going out of inventory. Like they got like a surge in sales that they didn't foresee or maybe their supplier had delays or who knows what. But they, this is good. This I would call a little bit more of a suspect BSR because it is spiking in between you know, as low as 10,000 BSR and as high as 40,000 BSR. Those are some pretty wide swings. And unlike the previous where we see it climbing, 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 and then dropping, which would be indicative of running out of stock and then coming back into stock here you're just seeing a lot of variance now i should note that what you're selling matters a lot here because it it really each category and each niche and each type of product has different expectations so i mean we don't need to go too in depth but just understand that like depending on the category of your product like do some some research, evaluate your competitors. When I say evaluate evaluate your competitors, I literally mean doing what we're doing right now, except I'm looking at slides and I prepared these ahead of time. You would go to Amazon and do a keyword search and open up a bunch of browser tabs to your competitors and then look at the charts and see if you're seeing a lot of variance or a lot of uh, consistently low BSRs and then try to figure out why there's a discrepancy. Now, this I would call a bad BSR, or sorry, bad BSR history. So whatever product this graph is from, you probably wanna be very careful about selling. Now, this is a relatively small sample size. If you're actually looking at the dates across the bottom, this was only you know less than a week, but pretend that this was over the span of a year. Anytime you see that trend going up and to the right, you know unlike on the stock market, where up and to the right is a good thing, that means it's gaining value, Remember, BSR is opposite. We want low BSRs. So if you see up and to the right, that's not good. This is a bad indicator for this product. You want to see the BSR steadily going down or consistently low, not climbing. All right, moving on. Let's talk about the criteria of what makes a product an ideal product. So now we're starting to brainstorm about like what our potential product that we're going to sell as a first product is going to be. And real quick before we dive into that, I just wanted to shout out to Google Drive. I think that running your business and uh, hosting your like critical files in the cloud is a an optimal way of approaching running an online business. Uh, I was not a fan of this prior to starting my FBA business. I mean I, I'm a you know IT person, so I understand the benefits of using the cloud but like really when I started with Amazon, I had to get real serious about that and move a lot of my business. To a place where i could access it from my home computer my work computer uh my laptop you know any different devices i could still be running my amazon business because everything was in a central location uh, in the cloud on google drive it's free it's easy to use keep it simple guys check out google drive if you uh haven't all right and then i wanted to just drop this in here we're starting to think about again what products we want to sell on amazon This was the most recent data point I could find on how big Amazon's catalog was. And I honestly don't think this is true. It says amazon.com as of April, 2019 has about 120 million products on the catalog. Now I think that number is much higher personally, but I don't want this lecture to go on forever. So I'm not going to get into it, but you can probably project that that number is definitely over 200 million today. And I honestly would expect it to be closer to like 500 million personally. All right. So what makes the ideal product? These are going to be attributes that we want to have in our potential product. So things that we bring personal knowledge and expertise to, it's always a plus. It's not a requirement, but it definitely helps more than it hurts. High demand and low competition. Now... That's obviously asking a lot. That's asking for a golden egg in a lot of cases. And, uh, you know, I spent three months in the product research phase when I was launching my first product, which is way too long. And the person that I had coaching me one day said, why haven't you placed an order yet? What products are you looking at? I showed him my list. He said, all right, that one right there looks perfect. You're going to do it. And I said, well, it's not perfect. Here are the reasons. And he's like, well, nothing's perfect. Just order that product. And the rest is history. That's my best, well, that product wasn't my best seller, but I grew that into a brand and that's my best-selling brand of products on Amazon. Uh, Low seasonality, meaning we don't wanna see fluctuations based on, this is just ideal. It's not an absolute requirement, but low seasonality means that it sells relatively consistently as far as volume goes year round. So if we're selling anything related to like pools, like outdoor swimming pools, we can expect, like if we're selling like rafts, flotation devices, whatever, water wings, we can expect to see a nice healthy dip in BSR or increase in demand in the warmer seasons for those of us that don't live in the Southern United States. Uh, and then outside of then, we're going to expect to see the BSR climb and less demand. So we would need to like project our inventory levels appropriately. And if this is your first product, guys, don't, don't introduce that headache into the equation. There's no need. Uh, brand potential is always nice. Can we expand this product into a brand of similar products down the line? Because I really think that establishing yourself as a brand, which probably sounds harder than it actually is. Um, I really think that that is a must in 2020 and moving forward. Now it's not a like absolute must. If you don't do it, you'll won't be successful. But seriously, if you're like willing to go that route, the likelihood of you achieving success and it's not just like oh I'm in the positive and not the negative, therefore I'm successful. But like as far as cash flow goes, to generate the most cash flow pr- possible, and project yourself to have the highest chance of succeeding, I really think brand potential is important. Now the shoebox test is again not a requirement either. It just is basically asking like can the product fit in a shoebox? It's a good kind of rule of thumb. Uh, in an ideal scenario, that it would be able to, because Amazon will charge you different amounts. As far as uh, storage tiers go, based on the size of your product, as you would expect, and as well as shipping is going to be variable based on the size of your product when it's like packed and the weight of the product. So if it can fit in a shoebox, you're doing yourself favors. And can it pass a drop test? Can you drop it from about five feet and it not break? Because if it's going to break from five feet, you're going to have some problems. And then price range $20 to $50 is just a general rule of thumb. Depending on how much money you have to invest, you may be able to target like a high ticket item, but if it's your first product, you probably don't want to go that route just so that you don't get burned because there are a lot of variables. There's a lot of detail that goes into this whole process. It's just, it is what it is. It's why so many people struggle to succeed as FBA sellers. So Keeping on the lower end is probably a good idea, but there is never the re like, there's no actual saying price point 20 to $50 doesn't translate into any like matter of fact thing as far as like you selling on Amazon. That's just a general, uh, range that I would suggest to first time sellers. All right. So it's not like, uh. It's not like the things that we're gonna talk about on the next slide, which actually matter. And they'll actually like manifest as action items, um, some of them. Let's look at what we want to avoid in our product. So first thing, we wanna avoid fragile items. Again, if it can't be dropped from like five feet without you being sure it's not gonna break, then trust me, you just don't wanna deal with this headache. Like Amazon customers are very comfortable returning items and leaving negative feedback and you're rolling the dice with any product that's breaking easily even if your suppliers tell you like oh they'll pack it really nicely and snugly and it won't break trust me i have gone this route before and tried and thought that i knew a better way and i've had to cut that product loose after two reorders even though it was profitable because it was just breaking too much the returns were killing me don't do it avoid print on demand items. Now, if you're not familiar with the concept of print on demand, think like apparel, you know, think made to order. So products that you may think, like if you see a t-shirt on Amazon, you think, okay, someone's got like a massive warehouse full of these pre-made t-shirts, but it's kind of evolved now to be where uh, they can sell products that don't exist. And then after they are sold, they go and they grab the blank t-shirt, like a blank canvas, They feed it through the machine and the machines can print the design that was ordered onto the t-shirt. And this is called print on demand. It's actually exploding in popularity over the last few years. And Amazon has their own program called, uh, merch by Amazon. If you can see it there over my shoulder and, um, you definitely do not want to compete with any products that they sell. And you can see all the products that they currently sell above my shoulder here, but there's also people selling print on demand, like coffee mugs leggings hats just all sorts of things cell phone cases so stay away from those steer clear also while i'm at it i do have a full-blown course on how to succeed at amazon's print on demand program called amazon merch i have made over fifty thousand dollars a profit i'm in tier twenty thousand and if you're interested there's always a link below figured i'd plug it while we're on the subject all right continuing avoid oversized items uh again it's not just that they're gonna cost you more with shipping because they're bigger and with storage because they're bigger and probably base cost because they're bigger, but also when you're doing inbound shipping, like when you tell amazon, hey I'm sending in x amount of products they're gonna be packaged this way and they're gonna be labeled this way if they're oversized, Amazon will tell you that instead of sending them to one location you're gonna have to send them to three locations, three Amazon warehouses. And that may not sound like a big deal, but trust me, it's gonna impact your bottom line negatively. <laughs> you're gonna have to spend more money on inbound shipping than you otherwise would have, and it's uh, it's a pain. It's just something not worth dealing with. All right, avoid items made from chemicals. Not only is there often restrictions on these items, you may have to provide like an SDS safety data sheet, uh, basically specifying like what your products are actually made of. Uh, you're gonna need to get that from your supplier. Hope that they have it. And it's just more headache than you need for your first product. Items that include batteries, again, are subject to much stricter regulations and rules. It's not that people aren't selling plenty of products that include batteries on Amazon, but you do not need to go through that for your first product. All right, that's it for today's lecture. I have a homework assignment for you, though. Before you come back for part three, I want you to create a list of about 40 products that meet the criteria that we just covered. They don't have to meet everything, but also stay in that realm of like products that you bring personal expertise to uh, because part of like what we, well, you know, we'll talk about stuff in the next videos, but if you can bring personal expertise to something and make an existing product on Amazon slightly better through something that's not like a big ask to your supplier or maybe it's just including an add-on, then you can really, you have the potential to stand out and above your competition. And the cream tends to rise to the top on Amazon. Um, again, assuming that you can get some visibility, which I'll show you how to do that through PPC advertising, uh, you should be able to rank your product and start that cash flow coming in on a regular consistent basis. So try to get 40 products written down. And again, this is a great opportunity to go to google.com drive. It's free. Assuming you have a Gmail account, you won't even need to do anything. It'll just pop up for you and create a uh, Google Sheets, which is their version of Excel. Create a spreadsheet and write down 40 products. All right, next time, part three, we're going to go in depth into the product research phase. And thank you guys for watching to the end. If you're not subscribed, do me a huge favor, hit that subscribe button. And if you want to hit the bell so that you're notified the next time I drop an Amazon FBA video, uh, you'll be one of the first people to hear about it uh if you haven't liked the video too that that would also do me a huge favor i've been seeing a lot of likes on my videos but not a lot of views what's up youtube i'm i don't know why youtube will not promote my videos to the masses i keep hearing that i should have more subscribers so do me a favor (laughs) if you're one of those people i uh, you know it's funny the youtube analytics shows me how many people watch my videos and how many of them are subscribers and there's a massive disparity i need more people to sub to the channels so do me a favor hit that subscribe button and I'll see you guys at the next video.